CrimeCon, the world's number one true crime event, is coming to Glasgow on Saturday 16th of September 2023. CrimeCon UK is the ultimate true crime event, partnered by CBS Reality, the expert-led true crime TV channel. CrimeCon Glasgow will be an intimate one-day experience, offering a schedule filled with sessions and workshops with world-renowned experts, discussions and plenty of time to meet your favourite true crime podcasters. We'll be there, so come and join us. Quote Truth for your special 10% discount. There are only 250 places available, so book now to avoid disappointment. For more information and to get your ticket to the ultimate true crime event, head to crimecon.co.uk. This is a special bonus episode recorded by Murder She Spoke podcast, in which they go behind the scenes at David's show, The Makings of a Murderer. Enjoy. Do you recall Angelika Kluk? She was a 23-year-old Polish student working in Glasgow when she went missing in September 2006. She was found five days later under the floorboards of the church she was working in. She had been brutally assaulted and killed by serial killer and convicted sex offender Peter Tobin, who was also working at the church under an alias. He had been released from prison two years prior. David was the SIO in charge of investigating her murder. David went on to form Operation Anagram, a covert operation aimed at investigating further offences carried out by Peter Tobin. Operation Anagram worked closely with the TV programme featured on primetime BBC once per month. You definitely will have heard Emma and I mention it previously. It was called Crime Watch. Here's a clip of David featuring on BBC Crime Watch in an appeal to viewers for information. We started looking, as we would do as a normal investigation, looking at the life of this individual. And in the early stages of that investigation, we established that this was an individual that travelled throughout the UK and used numerous names. He frequented places where vulnerable women would hang out and had as many as 20 SIM cards linked to his mobile phone within a year. So the suspicion at that time was, this is a guy that's done this before. Operation Anagram was groundbreaking and led to the police solving the cases of 15-year-old Vicky Hamilton and 18-year-old Dinah McNichol, who both went missing in 1991. Peter Tobin was convicted of both of their murders in 2008 and 2009, respectively. You will also hear David talking about Helen McCourt. Helen was a 22-year-old woman who disappeared in 1988. Her killer was convicted in 1989 but was released in 2020 despite never having revealed where and how he disposed of Helen's remains. You may have heard of Helen's Law. Helen's Law, or more formally, the Prisoner's Disclosure of Information About Victims Act, was legislation which was brought into effect in 2020 following tireless campaigning by Helen's mother Marie. It allows the Parole Board of England and Wales to refuse parole to offenders who refuse to disclose the whereabouts of their victims' remains, or paedophiles who refuse to disclose the identities of their victims. David is passionate about seeking justice for victims, and his work includes supporting the families of two UK citizens who died in Spain, Craig Mallon and Kirsty Maxwell. Their deaths remain unexplained. Now we will play some audio we recorded from behind the scenes of David's The Makings of a Murderer show, as well as a short interview with David. We hope you enjoy it. 
So Emma and I are here with David Swindle yeah. at his show Makings of a Murderer. We are around the back having a little look and being taken on stage. See what all happens. Oh wow. Oh fantastic. Gee. Look at that. Brilliant. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Gorgeous. That's the stage just now. That's that's the theatre just now. In over an hour's time. They're packed. Over 800, over 800 people here. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm because every, every place is different. Every audience, every town is different. Um, and you, don't, you never know what... But the same thing is everybody's interested in murderers. And one of the big focuses that I have is that we should never forget about the victims. And that's came across quite a lot. People have come to it that are real true crime people who says. What we like is the slant you put on it. Never forget the victims. For every killer, there's at least one victim. You're someone's daughter, someone's son. So you'll hear the thread tonight that through this, uh, the way I put it through the whole thing, stuff about no body murders. We speak about, uh, I speak about the Helen's Law and the Push Helen's Law. I also speak about the fact that in Scotland there was a, a campaign called Suzanne's Law to do with Suzanne Pilly. And it's never yeah. got traction, despite promises. It's never got traction. And that's sad. Um, Suzanne's law was to do with the, 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 law the perpetrators not being Suzanne able to get released yes, from prison Helen's, if they haven't Helen's disclosed law. the location. Hel- Helen's, Helen's law uh, it was uh, Helen McCourt was murdered uh, near Wigan, and Eve's son, her, uh, the guy that killed her, never revealed where her body was. Yeah. And her mum was Helen McCourt, who was a crime con. Yeah. Um, and the Helen's campaign is simply nobody, no parole. Yeah. So nobody, no parole. And Fiona Duffy, the, the journalist that pushes that, was at the Birmingham event that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago. So there's quite a lot. Quite a lot so. Yeah. Was Suzanne's law different, or was it on the same premise? So Suzanne's the woman that was yeah. actually oh. from Edinburgh. It's Suzanne Pilly. It's Suzanne Pilly's murdered her bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the focus, the, 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 the real bit is Helen's law. The Helen's Law was a thing they've been pushing for years and they've got kind of a bit of traction. We're here to speak about it and speak about a case as well that they applied the whole thing to. Is this, so you've done loads of shows? So far I've done done about 44 shows throughout the the UK with the makings of order. Wow. There's 126. Wow, okay. And we've been everywhere, everywhere throughout the UK. Yeah. Been in uh, Dublin. Yeah. Uh, been in the Isle of Man mm-hmm. in Scotland the Royal Concert Hall was 2,100 people yeah uh, last, week was, last week it was in Dunfermline it was unbelievable the crowd that were there it was 800 people there would be 50 here yeah. um, Aberdeen mm-hmm. 1,700 people at the arena that we've done uh, P&J arena done it was launched in Manchester at the Lowry Theatre in Manchester and then we had it uh, it was one Darlington it was thousand and then the following week Liverpool at the arena in Liverpool and it was a big one twelve hundred people so it's been everywhere yeah it's been everywhere so um, the most important question really is are you taking a massive holiday at the end of the tour well (laughs) I should have taken a holiday when I retired in inverted commas from the police (laughs) Uh, but I'm not I'm still working away as you know and I'm spreading my experience sharing Mm -hmm. it with people and helping families and you'll also hear me touching on Victims Abroad tonight and okay. Kirsty Maxwell case 
um, and the Craig Mallon case in Kilda Broad, I mentioned it towards the end. Life okay. after the police, I mentioned that. Good. So, so how, did, how did you two start your podcast? We, this is me interviewing you two. I know, I know. Yeah, we, we worked together and we were both very much interested and you in mean work together, what kind of occupations finance in finance yeah we finance. both worked together in finance yeah. and we became close friends it was somewhat of a surprise because before that I wasn't really open about my sort of in real interest in crime and what drives people to do crime etc and then somehow we got onto a topic of it mm. and when I got to know Emma I was so interested in her opinions and I wanted to discuss cases with her and was so interested to hear what she had to think about She's things psycho- exactly well, so. But also just as a very intellectual, intelligent person as oh, well. She's, and she's hamming me up now. And um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, I'm, I, I really want to talk about the stuff that I'm interested in with this person who, sh- who shares the same interest. And then we we actually got closer after we stopped working together, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. And then I moved down south. We were in lockdown. It was a month after lockdown started. And I said, hey, why do you, what do you think about starting a true crime podcast? Because, you know, I have ADHD and I'm impulsive. And then I went... <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah. So we st- we started it in lockdown. Started as a lockdown. Well, that's project. interesting the concept and the rationale behind it because a lot of people that do podcasts have got different motives, mm. and some of them aren't very good. Yeah, you may have uh, noticed that the titles of each of our episodes are victims' names. Rather, victims is my big which thing. Which is exactly yeah. why I feel that we we gel quite well because mm-hmm. there is a lot of voyeurism in the true crime community, a lot of morbid curiosity. And it's been there, obviously, for millennia. You know, humans are interested in death, they're interested in crime and murder and that kind of thing. We're quite boring, really. A lot of of humans live quite dull lives and something grotesque and and macabre is interesting. But actually, like you said to us earlier, that is someone's child that has been murdered. And you'll hear me saying that tonight. You know, um, there's a fascination for what killers do, rightly so. Yeah. But sometimes we forget the victim. about the victims. Yeah. And every one of these murderers is a victim, a more than one victim, who's someone's daughter, someone's son. Yeah. And it was interesting at one of the venues, I said, and we should always think about the victims. And people shouted out for the victims and some people stood up and clapped. Yeah. And that is a bit, that is an interesting yeah. uh, reaction. And we it's had... interesting I get a reaction like that. And then, I think it was in Blackpool, a woman came up to me at the end and she said... You know, I'm right into, she says, true crime. She says, I see these, I see West, I see that. But when you spoke about that tonight, she said, I'm looking at them and thinking about the victims. Yeah. And I thought, job done. And it's not, just, it's not just the victim, the person that was suffered at the hands of the perpetrator. It's, it's their family, it's their friends. It's like this it's huge the ripple, ripple effect. effect. It's the ripple effect. It's the collateral and people that never Those people that have to live with the knowledge of what happened. and Yeah, exactly. And... I was, we have a listener who's um, brilliant and I remember she messaged us once because there was one episode we released and it didn't have the victim's name, it was, a, I think it was something to do with the perpetrator's name. Oh, that's that's regular, that happens in the police but as well. She, she, she asked, always, she says, uh-huh. I noticed that all of your cases, the victim says, why is this one? I said, because it was so many. I think there were so many victims. There were so many victims. And literally the format wouldn't let it was hard. It. it was hard to uh-huh. think of a name for that episode and that was pretty much the one and only time that we've used yeah. perpetrator's name for the episode but when we talk about even cases on the podcast you know a lot of the time we'll refer to the, we we 
almost deliberately avoid mentioning the perpetrator's name. We'll call him dickhead or you know something something silly to just to just Shed. minimize yeah, yeah, any kind yeah. of emphasis or yep. you yeah. know any sort of. Because the victim's dead, the victim's no voice. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's the family that's the victim's voice and they're exactly. around about. And you'll hear that on a uh, Kirsty Maxwell case. This is a girl that died in yeah, yeah. Uh, we know it. unusual circumstances in in uh, Benidorm. Yeah. And you know. In fact, her family were at the Crime Con, mm-hmm. um, and they've got a charity, the Kirsty Maxwell Charity. Yeah, we, we saw it in Glasgow last year. We saw in Glasgow last year. Uh-huh, well, they were in London as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll Chance. be back at the Glasgow one again. Um, and they were I worked closely with them yeah. on that, and they've now got the Victims Abroad thing too, which Fantastic. is focused on the victims. Um, but so I'm dealing with the living victims, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you know, Kirsty's dad will say it. Kirsty has no voice. We mm-hmm. are her voice. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, what happened in that, uh, you know, it's it's a flawed investigation and I say it openly. You hear me touching base on that, I mention it towards the end about victims of drug, because people ask life after the police, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. So I like that, I, I've obviously I haven't listened to your stuff, but it's, you know, no, it's no. a busman's holiday, yeah. but I've seen your stuff, yeah. you know, and I can understand where you're coming from. Um, we talked we talk briefly the other week at CrimeCon London and... I mentioned to you that, um, you know, unfortunately some people's attitudes are, oh, I don't like to listen to unsolved cases, I like a resolution. But I think, um, certainly me in particular, if not Emma as well, we we kind of say that, not maybe, ashamed is probably the wrong word, but when there's an unsolved case in Scotland and I haven't heard of it, and it's, you know, even if it's not really that old, it almost makes me feel how do I not know about this? Why Why haven't I heard about this before? Mm. And it makes me ask that question. And when we cover cases like that on the podcast, I just think we need to keep these people's names alive, you know, yeah. whether their cases are solved or not, but specifically for the unsolved ones where, you know, obviously the investigation's got to a point where there's been no conclusion. And Yes, but, but I, I, you hear me speaking about this tonight, and I'm speaking about cold cases and things mm-hmm. like that, how it works, how they do it in the UK. There's a continuous review process Cases unresolved, the police will revisit it. New information coming forward. So we've got a good system in the UK. Mm. They don't have it in Spain. I, I sh- wish they had. So, David, we are very, very excited for the show. We've both got our wines ready and uh, we've been in the, the backstage, which is super exciting. Um, possibly the only time we'll ever get to do something like this. So, yeah, I'm very much enjoying it. Can you tell everyone a wee bit about the show and um, what inspired it? How many places you've been to so far, and just yeah, just give us a bit of a, an ex- a background to it. Yes, it's called the makings of a murderer. It's actually looking at a killer. What makes a person kill? And I have a big slant on the victim focused because that's one of the things I say. For every killer, there's a victim, at least one victim, who's someone's daughter, someone's son. So I'm speaking. I'm not going to give anything away on this. What I'm speaking about because you're going to see it soon. But I'm going to be speaking about the killers. What makes them kill? Why do they keep? The word trophies, and I hate that word trophy. I call them horrible souvenirs of an event they've done. And I also speak about um, no-body murders, families of lost loved ones, and someone's been convicted and the person has gone to the grave, died, taken the secrets away as to what they've done with a loved one. So it's a big tour. Um, I could never have foreseen that when I joined the police as a young constable in 1977, that I'd be going around huge theatres like this, the Festival Theatre in Edinburgh, in front of 800, 900 people, and some of them have been even bigger, 2,100 in Glasgow, um, huge venues, 
speaking about crime. And that's the thing. And there's so many people come along to this and, and I just can't believe it. And, and I really, I'm amazed at that, the people. And, and you two are here. Mothers who spoke are here. And, are. you know, it's, and I know you have a heavy victim focus and that's the big thing. Um, so, so far we've done 44 venues throughout the UK and in the Isle of Man, uh, and in Dublin. And, uh, there's 125 in total. So last week was particularly busy in different places and I'm in Edinburgh tonight and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm exhausted thinking about it. Good grief. Uh, I think you seem to come from a same kind of background as us in that if you've got a platform, you also have a responsibility and the way that you portray the crimes and the perpetrators is very pragmatic. There's no romanticizing. There's no feeding into the kind of, you know, obsession that people can have with true crime. And we've always tried to, to go down the path. So that's why we've always been, found you very, very interesting. And your integrity just completely shines through. Um, your dedication to giving a voice to victims that aren't here to provide voices for themselves. We do know that their families obviously try and do that, but there's only so much that a lay person can do. And when you've gone through grief, trauma, and, you know, the, the just sheer devastation of losing a loved one, you don't have the energy. You don't have the resources. So is that what drives you? Yes, I, I think, I mean, that has always been the case. When I created Operation Anagram to look at the person that I thought was a serial killer, Peter Tobin, and it turned out that he was, and you know, as a result of a UK-wide operation, all police forces involved found bodies of Vicky Hamilton and Dinah McNichol, you know, 15 years later in Kent, in a garden Kent, and I called that a search for the truth. And one of the phrases I used during that, and I still use it today, is the passage of time should not be detrimental to the detection of crime. Uh, it shouldn't matter how long it takes. And the police nowadays are much more attuned to historical cases, cold case reviews. I hate the word cold. It sounds like, you know, people are dead. Sounds like but it's historical up, reviews. Honest, historical it? reviews. Um, so I'm a big victim focused type person. Mm. And, and, you know, you, you did say, you know, if you've got the platform, you should do it. And sometimes, sometimes people talk about the media, power without responsibility. Mm. I've used the media a lot throughout my career. I use Crime Watch, and you'll hear me speaking about Crime Watch in here, about how I used the Crime Watch, the nine o'clock live one. We the want one Crime Watch well, back, by the way. We've well, got, we've got campaign. We want well, Crime Watch back. I, I have said that. I said it in Manchester at the Lowry Theatre. Uh, the very first way we launched this, and, and I spoke about that, how effective, because I show clips of it with Rav in it, and, and Kirsty, yes, Rav Welding, Rav Welding, who I still keep in touch with, mm -hmm. and I said, shout loud enough in here, BBC, it's Media City, bring back Crime Watch, and they all did. We have a hashtag yeah, on our hashtag show, we say back. hashtag bring back Crime Watch. I, can you, can you say that. it for us? Can you say it for us? Hashtag bring back crime watch. Oh, and there I, you go. You've heard it from the man himself. And I feel, and you know why? Uh, they have, you know, in fairness to Rav Welding, who I still keep in touch with, the one they do during the day is good. But can you imagine the nine o'clock watershed where they could do that and put it out there? What you could do now with social media, bring back crime watch. And I said it on the Jeremy Vine show uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was down there on his uh, radio show. So bring back crime watch. Hashtag bring back crime watch. Yeah. Revamp it. Love then, it. You know, we're, we're not busy. We're not that busy. I mean, we, you know, we're available for hosting and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have, I mean, I can literally hold a microphone as I'm proving very well right now. Oh no, they were headsets. Oh well, I'll need to do, to get that on. We watched it. 
absolutely dedicated every month. And my sister and I, our friends used to laugh at us because we used to write on each other fa- other's Facebook wall, crime watches on tonight, blah, blah, yes. blah, 9 p.m., whatever. And our friends used to laugh at us. When I was younger, my sister made me put the Crime Stoppers number in my phone in case we ever saw someone that was featured on Crime Watch. So we both had the Crime Stoppers numbers in our mobile okay. phone. It was, having been on it, I was on it five times for Operation Anagram. And you'll hear tonight what I did with it on Crime Watch. And I was on it for other cases. And I saw what Crime Watch could do for victims and for police investigations. And that was then. Yeah. What could it do now with social media? And that is the thing. Fast moving and it really got the answers and results. So bring back Crime Watch. Yeah. We concur. We concur. All right. Well, we're going to leave you because you need to get ready for the show. But um, we will have a maybe a wee chat with you afterwards yeah, as well. I'll go to my hairdresser and get my yeah. hair. Oh, obviously. Okay. You've got to look good, look good under the lights. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. So thanks. And we'll see you after for Season. a few uh, drinks. Yes. Fab. Sherbets. Cheers. David's extensive UK tour continues until April 2024. Packed with fascinating content from beginning to end, it's something we are sure our listeners will enjoy. To book tickets, visit themakingsofamurderer.co.uk.